Hello, 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 good day, and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Ashitino. And my, 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 here we are at the end of March. And, well, um, if you're listening to this, uh, based on where I've been seeing people, you know, accessing my podcast, you're probably... um, you're probably under lockdown right now, or some form of, of quarantine, some form of a lockdown. Uh, you know, I, there's very few places that it's actually like, don't leave the house no matter what. I, I do understand there are some places that are doing that, but, um, you know, more or less, it, you know, most people just kind of have a, you know, don't don't go places unless you absolutely need to go do them. If you need to get food, you you get food, you know, if you need to get gas in the car, which, you know, hopefully not many people are driving that much around, but, you know, you could do that. But for the most part, it's it's stay at home, you know. Students are doing online learning. Um, you know, people are working from home. We are learning a lot, aren't we, about how much we really can do uh, from the house. And, uh, you know, it's, um, I know some uh, some teachers that I was talking to were like, Man, I hope this doesn't catch on just because they'll be like, well, you know, listen, we'll just start putting stuff out. Instead of having three or four teachers, we'll have one teacher just coordinate everything from home. Uh, obviously, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Well, I shouldn't say ever going to. I should say um, I don't think it's going to happen because nothing substitutes for a good teacher in the classroom, um, you know, ready to answer questions and actually being able to teach. Um, you know, you can't substitute that by putting stuff up on on Google Classrooms or whatever. I mean, not, not that that's a bad substitution in, in an extreme situation. I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to knock Google here. I'm just saying that uh, I think you, you need a real teacher. And I've spoken on that, uh, you know, in depth. So, but here we are. And, um, you know, a lot of people have asked me, they've been like, uh, you know, Ash, what have you been, what have you been doing here? And of course, you know, Monday through Friday, I still have to you know, be ready for my students. I still have to be available to them. Um, and I am, you know, I'm, I'm at my laptop diligently reading through the work that they submit, uh, answering questions, you know, being available. But there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of time where you're just kind of like, what to do, what to do. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about it with you guys. And I wanted to throw a couple of things out there, um, you know, stuff to do. If you can, if you have access to it, um, some of the things that I've been uh, doing with my own life and maybe suggestions for things that you could do, different, different stuff to, to read, to watch. So um, one of the things, first of all, first and foremost, um, <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not someone who watches TV, um, uh, really, uh, you know, when I say that, I mean... Like, I'll watch a Law & Order marathon uh, like there's no tomorrow, okay? You put the original Law & Order, uh, and I'll watch it, you know, for, for hours on end. Um, and also, Top Gear, you know the one, not the new one, the, cla- the classic one. Um, I'll watch that again, you know, from, uh, you know, beginning to end of the day. Um, some cartoons I'll watch on TV. I do enjoy myself a good cartoon, but, you know, and then the occasion, if a movie comes on, but what I mean about, I don't watch TV is, you know, I really, I don't like a lot of people, you know, they, they have a show that they're watching 
or now, especially with, with, you know, online with Netflix and Hulu, you know, everyone can binge watch and there's all these new shows and they, um, you know, they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm watching this, I'm watching that. I mean, um, I know I got roundly just absolutely hammered, um, you know, the whole, uh, the fact that I, I didn't watch Game of Thrones. Um, yes, feel free to throw things at your mobile device right now, pretending it's me. Uh, it, it wasn't, you know, and again, I wasn't one of these people that was like, no, 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 I'm not, you know, I'm not watching it because everyone else is watching it. And I want to be one of those people that just doesn't, you know, uh, watch it for that sake. Uh, I'm not like that. I'm not like that in life. You know, I could be, I could be, but I'm not, um, you know, it, but, um, you know, this is the, the issue, I'm a vegetarian, and yet uh, most of the time at family cookouts, I'm the one that's cooking the meat. I'm on the grill, okay? Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, that's, I, I don't care. I'm not one of these people that's, that has to let everyone know about it. But, I mean, I got hammered for that because everyone and their mother was watching, you know, Game of Thrones uh, when it was on. Um but you know, one of the one of the shows that I have been watching, uh, I have to admit, and uh, I think it's only got six episodes or so, and this should come as no surprise to anyone who knows me. It's called The English Game, and it's about the or the the real, not the origins of football or soccer in in England because it had been going on, but it's about when um, football went from being a game played by amateur gentlemen to a game played with teams that basically tried to put together squads that could win uh, paid players, okay, which was considered scandalous at the time, uh, you know, and it, and it does cover that. Ironically, you know, one of the main guys that revolutionizes uh, the game is Scottish, um, but, you know, for my Scottish listeners, this will come as no surprise, you know, you guys have been uh, sending people down into uh, England for years now. Um, you know, just the other day, uh, I posted up on my Instagram, you know, the anniversary of uh, Robert the Bruce being um, uh, initiated as King of, of Scotland. So, um, you know, Braveheart, I remember. God, I went to watch that movie. I was in high school at the time. And I think it was, it was me. I know that uh, Joe Castellucho's with me. Uh, who else was it? Was it Steve Gallo and someone else? You know, the four of us went, and the theater uh, was was basically empty. We went at a really odd time. And so basically, you know, the four of us idiots, and I said, we were sitting up on our chairs, like literally sitting on the backs of the chairs with our feet on the cushion. And, you know, the battle scenes were hooting and hollering and screaming and yelling. Um, you know, Braveheart, uh, you know, good movie. It plays a little fast and, and loose with uh, the facts, but you know that's unfortunately most historical movies do because they they have to uh, you know have to throw something in there. So um, you know, but the, but the English game is fantastic, and and I say this to anyone who's thinking about it. it's not just about football. It's not you're not just going to be sitting there watching guys you know kick the ball back and forth. You know, there's talk about class distinctions about how. You know, football was this great breaker of class distinction in England. And I mean, in England, I mean, if you think class is an issue in the United States, 
I mean, God, Victorian era England, it was, it was, you know, it was ridiculous. Um, and so th this idea, though, that these guys from a working class, you know, town, uh, you know, could end up, you know, defeating, uh, you know, the, the old Etonians, you know, these privileged, wealthier, well-to-do guys, you know, not saying they were bad, just this is who they were. So you've got that, and it's it's fascinating. I haven't finished it yet. But I'll tell you what. When I do finish it, I'll let you guys know. But it's 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 great because you're seeing you know the game as it was back then, wildly different. You know, <laughs> anyone who knows, uh, you know, formations. I mean, they played with uh, the Etonians played with a one one eight. I mean, let that sink in for a moment, okay? Good God. So, but anyway, I'm watching that, so I definitely advise that. One of the other things I've been doing, I've been doing a bit of reading. I've got a lot of books that I'm trying to finish up. Um, you know, unfortunately, I have this habit, and maybe you do too. And let me know if you have the habit. I'm, I'm always interested in hearing what my, my listeners, you know, what their deal is. I have the habit sometimes. I'll start reading a book, and then something will come up in my life, and I'll put it down. I'll be like, okay. I'll, I'll continue reading this, you know, I read two chapters, two and a half chapters, and that'll be three years ago, okay, you know, and so I was like, no, I have to, there are a bunch of books I started, there are some books that I'll read, and I'll just go right through it, um, you know, that I'll finish in a matter of two or three days, uh, fantastic books, um, one of them that I, I, I mentioned this on my Instagram account, but uh, the, the name of the book is Waterloo, the history of Four Days, Three Armies, and Three Battles by Bernard Cornwell. Um, you know, he also wrote a book on Agincourt, which I definitely uh, have to look at getting. But it, it's such a great thing because Waterloo is – it's one of those things that's become uh, popular in what we call the common lexicon. I mean, you know, we, we refer to, oh, that was his Waterloo, you know. Um, it, it means the, the end of it all, the point at which someone was finally – defeated, you know, you had a great sporting dynasty, and then all of a sudden, you know, they lost this major, oh, that was their Waterloo, this was that person, you know, po politician running for office, that was their Waterloo, um, but how much do we really know about the battle, and it was a, it was a fascinating battle, um, a battle that could have, easily could have gone either way, um, you know, an example, perhaps, of Napoleon showing a little bit of hubris, um, a reminder that no matter how great you are, you know, sometimes, you know, slow and steady wins the races. You know, the, the tortoise and the hare is very, you know, it, it, it's very well known for a reason. And that reason is that, you know, often, there's an old Latin uh, quote, I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head, and goodness, I, I can at the moment, but, you know, it's something on the lines of like, you know, uh, Steady practice will will often outdo, um, you know, raw talent, um, and and it, it is true in many cases. Not all the time, obviously, but I mean, it's just the case of yeah, you know, Wellington was was better defensively. He knew what he had to do. He was just, he wasn't trying to do anything showy, you know. Napoleon was a little overconfident. The French a little overconfident, and uh, that ended up you know, resulting in a, in a, a catastrophic defeat uh, and the end of, uh, you know, the 100 days in Napoleon's empire, which you would know the, the anniversary of just passed a couple of days ago on my Instagram account, you know, at Antonius Optimus. Please do feel free to do that. But, um, 
you know, I was reading that, so that's that's highly readable. Another book, another book that I I've reread it. Oh, probably one and a half times since we've been home. Uh, just because it's one of these eminently readable books, but it, it's it should come as no surprise to anyone who knows me. And that is, of course, George Orwell's 1984. I discussed this in a previous podcast um, about Orwell. Um, 1984 is a tremendous book. Now, I know there are people who debate with me about this, and, and I even, you know what, I, I have to tell you, um, I had this debate with myself, um, and the debate is between the, the two, well, two of, there are obviously many others, um, two of the main dystopian novels that came out within 15 years of one another in the 30s and 40s, and uh, 1984 was the second one. The first one was Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, and I, I did enjoy Brave New World. I did. Um, I mean, the writing and everything. In the beginning, though, Orwell was who captivated me in 1984 completely. Just, I mean, I just, I gobbled it up because so much of it I could see, and you could see today. You can see people denying they said things, which they actually said on on video and then you know that's one thing okay i mean you know, listen I, I you could have me recording something on the podcast right now saying something like 1984 is my favorite book of all time and then um you know a, a year later i could say i never said 1984 is my greatest you could be like no 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 we've got your we got your podcast here we can play it to you that's one thing but what if all the people around me and all the people around you are like, no, that's obviously just been, you know, that, that's fake news. You just made that up right there about Ashitino. You must have recorded his voice somehow. That's, that's the scary part, is it doesn't really matter if it's real, okay? And I had this argument many times with a close friend of mine, well, back then was a close friend of mine, uh, where I argued, I said, look, it's not that I don't accept that there's real and there's not real, okay? Things are real. Facts, there, there, there is, uh, and I won't make any apologies for this uh, to Ms. Conway, there are no such things as alternative facts, okay? There are facts, and then there's fiction. Um, either something happened, either it's real. Now, you can debate what happened, what were the merits of it. You, could, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into dialectism or, you know, the, a lot of Marxist talk right here where I'm like, well, you know, yeah, there's a chair, but what type of chair is it? Yeah, you can have that debate, but either something's a chair or it's not. Either I'm here right now speaking or I'm not. You can't say, well, it's just your opinion that he's here speaking. No, that, that's not an opinion. That's a fact. It was my opinion that today was not a nice day outside. That's an opinion. However, an opinion is not, it was raining today. That's a fact. You can't say, no, it wasn't. No, no, it, it, it was raining, and no matter how, but my whole point behind this, and I will move on, I promise, I know some of you are probably rolling your eyes right now. My point behind this is that <clears throat> it, it, facts matter but only to the point, and this is what I stress, that people are willing to agree. Now, it, again, if 
it rained today, but everyone agreed that it didn't rain today. Would it change the fact that it had rained? No. But what does that matter? Because going forward, people would talk about, you know, that Sunday, it'd be like, oh, yeah, it was a nice day out there. And if everyone agreed that that's what happened, it wouldn't matter that it did. That's my concern. I, I try and get that across to people. It's not so much that I'm worried that you can't change reality, but if nobody cares about reality and no one's willing to stand up for facts, then reality really is kind of subjective at that point. As near as makes no difference for us, okay? So um, I have come around, though, to, to bring this full circle here. Huxley's Brave New World, fantastic book. And I've actually come around to Huxley's Brave New World is a much better um, analysis of the future <laughs> and of the dystopia, which I think that we're all going into. We are all becoming slaves to our machines. Um, you know, like, how many times have you taken out your mobile phone in the last day? You know, how many times could that you can even remember? How many apps do you have? How many things do you have which are just taking up time? You know, I always talk about, oh, I'd love to do this, I'd love to do that. Oh, but let me check the, the Instagram page to see if anyone's commented on the after school history thing. No, I get that that's part of it, you know, but then you get people that are like, oh, yeah, you know. I had a student tell me one time that, you know, she started looking through TikTok and all of a sudden four hours had gone by. And I'm like, okay, I'm not trying to say that people can't have fun and can't enjoy things. But what I'm saying is that this is the thing. We are slaves. We, we, we do. We get imbued in these shows and we're watching Netflix for hours. We're on these, these apps on our phones for hours. You know, Orwell was worried about a dystopian future in which Big Brother would be eternally watching. And I still do believe that that's, there's a lot of Orwell that's darned well on the spot, okay? The idea of Big Brother, the idea of Thought Police... The idea that, you know, we're being watched all the time. The government is recording things all the time. It's collecting data. You know, um, this is all true. And, and the idea of fake news, gaslighting, this is all very true. It's all, you know, out there. But with Huxley, it's just, you know, it's like, oh, man, what about the, you know, Uyghurs who are being imprisoned and, you know, tortured in China? I probably will get in trouble for that one, but I really don't care. I, I speak the way I do. Um, it's like, oh man, you are going to do something? Hold on, wait a minute. There's an update. Kim Kardashian and her sister got into a fight. And I only know that because when I went to, you know, the internet to, to look up news, that was one of the stories that was like a leading story. I'm like, by God, we've got a pandemic going on right now. Um, you know, we have a $2 trillion bill that's going through the U.S., you know, uh, Senate and and, and House, which I'm trying to find out. And when I can find out some more details about that, it, there's so much out there. It's just such a huge thing, you know, that it's very difficult to find out exactly what's going on. You know, I mean, the sport's suspended. We've got this, we've got that. But no, this is, you know. And why is that up there? Because they're not dumb. You know, in a free market economy, you know, the, the consumer dictates the production. And so... You know, if if a website knows that putting stuff up about uh, keeping up with the Kardashians is going to get the hits, guess what they're going to do? They're not going to be stupid because I'll tell you what, if they don't, someone else will. And that someone else will get those hits instead of them. All right. So, you know, we still we've still got a lot of that. But Huxley is definitely, in my opinion, um, his analysis of the future. And it's also an easier one because. You know, people react poorly when they're, they're forced to do things. You always have this threat of rebellion. 
Um, however, you know, when you basically just give people, you know, just, hey, listen, just be happy, take some drugs, be happy, do this, do that, you know. I don't know, advising taking drugs or saying in the book, you know, people were just like, okay, they were taking pills to make them happy. They were, you know, constantly around pleasurable things. That has a lot more of an incentive than, you know, the alternative. And so, you know, I, I know where Orwell was coming from, but, you know, that's, I, I wanted to say that about Huxley. Um, anyway, the, uh, some of the other things that I'm doing here, which I advise people to do, um, I've been rereading uh, some, of my, some of my Shakespeare. Um, I do have a complete collection of all his works. And, uh, you know, it's fascinating. Um, I was uh, reading through The Economist the other day, and there's a book about... Uh, that's out. I, I don't have it with me right now. Darn, I, yeah, I've been moving stuff around in my house, and I think that that episode, that episode, that issue might be um, upstairs uh, being filed. But talking about how Shakespeare has played such a role in the development of American culture, and how you know all of Americans' top, uh, you know, individuals were were versed in Shakespeare. Um, you know how they've talked about how it, even. During the westward expansion, when you'd go into some of these trails, you know, and, and you'd, you'd be in the, the woods countries, you know, they might not have any books, but if they did, one of them would darn sure be something with Shakespeare. Um, you know, and it's fascinating, you know, how so much of his stuff has, you know, come. I mean, we, we, we talk about Romeo and Juliet. I mean, the story is not original to Shakespeare, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, yet... You know, no one talks about, you know, Leila and Majun. We talk about Romeo and Juliet. You know, we, we, we talk about Othello. We talk about, you know, the Merchant of Venice. We, we go over these great speeches, these soliloquies, you know, Macbeth, Hamlet. We read Macbeth in my um, class last year, uh, my culture and geography class. It was a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's uh, many times Macbeth, there's a, a thing around it, and those of you who are in the theater or the dramatic arts uh, are probably aware of the fact that, um, you know, most of the time when Macbeth is being done, they won't refer to it by name. They'll simply call it the Scottish play, because apparently it's very bad luck to refer to it by name. But um, it's, it's, it's fascinating, and it's really a great, a great book about just, you know, just being consumed, you know, over time. And you know, Lady Macbeth, um, <laughs> that's a term that I've used uh, for, for several women in my life from time to time. And I've referred to them as Lady Macbeth when they've, you know, shown themselves to be extremely uh, vicious in their pursuit of an agenda. I'm not always saying it in a negative way, you know, it's a joking way. Um, but, you know, it's fascinating what that tells us because, you know, here it is when a woman shows herself as being aggressive and going after something, you know, it's 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 all it's like it's she's being manly, and I think that that says a lot about you know the way that we view women. Um, you know, I did have the fortunate opportunity when I was in London last year to go to well, what's the, the recreation of Shakespeare's Globe Theatre, um, you know, right on the Thames, and it was is fantastically done, very very well done. Um, I was there with my son Marcus, so this year um, I actually was supposed to be going. Uh, in two weeks' time, to go see uh, my Chels, my Chelsea play, uh, and unfortunately, they are not going to be playing because you know 
we have a global pandemic going on. And that's kind of unfortunate uh, that, you know, had to, uh, it had to happen. I know, that's, that sounds so, oh God, I, I feel terrible even saying that because it's like, you know, it, it really shows you what first world privilege does to people. It's like, think about it. It's like, oh my God, you know, this is interrupting my sports programs. I mean, God, this is a pandemic that could kill millions of people around the world, already has killed tens of thousands, and that number is exponentially increasing. I tried to explain this the other day uh, to my brother about uh, what exponential increase means, uh, because he was making this argument that, unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, that, that have a certain certain more more conservative, more right-leaning belief system. I was like, oh, well, you know, the number of deaths is only... You were telling me it's going to be hundreds of thousands, possibly. And I said, yeah. I said, well, you know what? Here's the thing. The number increases exponentially, okay? Meaning that it does start out low, okay? But, you know, again, if, if someone was... This is the old thing that I, I remember in middle school. Um, someone said, listen, if you would take... $1,000 a month, or it was something like you'd take, uh, you know, 25 cents a day, but your pay would be doubled every day, you know, uh, which would you take? And if you really, you know, again, you think of it, it's like, ah, oh, $1,000 versus like 25 cents, something like that. I'm probably doing bad math right now. I'm a historian, not a mathematician. But are they 25, 50, a dollar, two dollars, four, eight, 16? All of a sudden, you know, it came out to something like, yeah, well, you'd be making, you know, like $800,000 within a month or two. Um, and that's, you know, fortunately, we are taking steps right now. And I do laud several of the state governors for doing their best to try and keep this from, you know, completely blowing up. Um, they're doing their best. Governor Cuomo, um, you know, in New York, our, our sister state, and, and Governor Murphy, um, in, in New Jersey, doing a great job, you know, keeping people aware of what's going on and, and you know, doing what they have to do, giving words of encouragement, uh, which you need. You know, you need to keep people believing that this is something uh, that we can beat, you know, and we will beat it. I mean, there's not a question of beating. What do, what do we really mean by that? The bottom line is that we're going to outlast it with as little amount of death as we can. Sadly, there will be death. Um, it's terrible. It's a reality. But we've got to you know, get through it with as little as possible. So we've got that. Um, other things, uh, like I said, and I've, been, I've been watching some uh, previous matches you know, uh, for Chelsea. Uh, you know, a couple of our different big wins. None of the big losses because I don't do that kind of thing. Why torture myself about it? Um, <clears throat> you know, unfortunately... Most places around here are completely closed down, but, um, you know, with, with the different things, you know, again, I, um, you know, I, I've been rereading, uh, a lot of things that I've written over the course of the past 20, uh, 20 plus years, um, that I have, and I'm really taking stock in how I've developed as an individual, and I encourage everyone to do that, you know, get something else that, you know, Listen, if you, if one point, you know, you had been writing poetry, get back into it, you know, get back into writing poetry. You know, if you had a book, now's the time, you know, get back into it, sit down, spend just a little bit of time a day. It doesn't have to be hours and hours and hours, but, you know, just write a half an hour a day, 
you know, I I actually did write a book um, oh, over a decade ago, and then I just kind of, you know, I wrote it, and then I, I had it there, and I was correcting, I was, I was you know, I was proofreading through it, um, changing some things a little bit here, a little bit there, but I just, you know, and then life happened, and all of a sudden, you know, it was, well, I would put this back, I actually sent it to a bunch of, um, agents, and I was turned down by the agents. Uh, if you know an agent that's looking for a, a, a good book, a publisher, an agent, um, hit me up, let me know. I promise I'll buy you something nice if, uh, if we get accepted. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it was just, uh, it was funny because I was reminded of the fact that, you know, um, J.K. Rowling was rejected. I think it was eight or nine times. It took her, took her till her ninth time, which by the way, in, in the uh, publishing business, nine times is like, I mean, the, usually people have to go through dozens and dozens, but I, <laughs> I was talking about this with my brother earlier, and I said, can you imagine being an agent right now who was like, yeah, this this book that you're trying to pitch, what, Harry, Harry po- po- Potter? Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. I really don't think it's marketable. I really don't think that it's going to have a lot of appeal. Uh, so unfortunately, hey, listen, good luck with everything, you know. And then being like, oh boy, can you imagine being one of those people that did it? Um, my God, you turned down Harry Potter. You know, it's a multi-billion-dollar franchise, but that's how it goes. You know, you never know. What's going to happen? That's why I submitted mine to a lot. And you know what? I, one of the things when I get it fixed up, I'm going to submit it to some more. And then after that, I'm, I'll, I might just self-publish. I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of it was a labor of love. Uh, the book for me. Um, it took me it took me a while. It took me the better part of two years to write it. Um, you know, and and that's uh, that's that. It's it's not uh, it's not autobiographical. Although I think that when we write, and I, I, those of you who do write, when you write anything, poetry, prose, um, we write best when it's something that we've dealt with ourselves. Um, you know, it, it, when you, you know, it's like anything else. If you've, if you, if you ever listen to someone, I mean, I could talk about, um, you know, I could, I could talk right now about uh, hockey. You know, I could talk about cricket. But I, I've never actually played them on anything other than, you know, I mean, well, hockey, I've never I played some street hockey once or twice. But, you know, like cricket, I've never actually been on a team. I've never been there. I've, so, you know, when I talk about it, it's more from the kind of like, you know, I'm watching it from afar. But when you've actually played the, the sport, you know, you're talking, it's something you've gone through. And I think that's true. You know, if you've never had your heart broken, I don't know how good you're actually going to be at writing the kind of work that expresses it, writing the poetry that expresses it. I mean, one of my favorite poets, and again, um, you know, definitely, uh, Fez, Ahmed Fez, um, The Rebel Silhouette, his book with, with the collection of his writings. I mean, you, you just are absolutely blown away by how he talks about these things. Because he's been there, you know, he's seen what early Pakistan was like, you know, he's, he's been there, he's seen what, what capitalism unbridled can do in certain situations, you know, he's had his heart broken, 
and, and until you've had that, you really, you can't write that much about it because you just don't, you, you don't feel it the same way that someone who's had it. And this is not to say that you have to go through something in order to write about it. You certainly can. And some people have written some great things, you know, about it, but it's just different when you've been there. And I, I think those of you who know, you know, it's the old thing as, um, you know, my students, if you know, you know, okay, um, that's all there is to it. So <clears throat> that's another thing I advise you to do. Um, you know, listen, make music, okay? I'm fortunate enough in my house, you know, I have a piano and uh, I, I'm, I sit down every day, I try to, and do a little bit of playing. Um, you know, it's the piano is my favorite instrument. I'm biased, uh, admittedly, right off the bat, I'll tell you that. Uh, I'm biased for the piano. I grew up playing the piano. But it's a phenomenal instrument. I mean, this is the depth and breadth and the music that's created from it, you know. And, and listen, there are, some, there are some pieces of music for different instruments, like for the violin, you know, that are on a different level as well for that instrument. But as far as the piano goes, um, it's just, uh, to, me, to me, I could listen to the piano from now until the day I die and, and be a happy man, um, you know, and I love it with full orchestra, and, and I love accompaniments and, and whatnot. Um, you know, the organ is also tremendous, but unfortunately, I don't have the room in my house to have a full organ. Um, <laughs> wish I did. Uh, I think that would be pretty crazy, pretty fun. But at the same time, I just, I, the organ is the type of thing where I really feel it needs to be in a cathedral, uh, a, a, a very large church at the the least. I mean, I'm a fan with the organ of, you either go big or you go home, okay? I don't want to see any of these, you know, uh, you know, semi-organs. I want the classic where, you know, the pipes are 40 feet going up into the roofs, you know, and, and it's just, it echoes throughout the stone walls. Oh, there's not much better um, than that. A good organ concert in a classic cathedral or, or a church that's set out like that. So, yeah, um, th that's my thing with, with that. Um, in the meantime, you know, like I've said uh, before, uh, we're all still just hunkered down over here. Um, you know, I, I think that, I think that unfortunately, as this continues to get worse before it gets better, you're going to have a lot of attempts to kind of do the right thing, but we have to be careful um, please don't go traveling places if you don't have to. Um, you know, I know I was reading in India where the Modi government and those of you who know me, have listened to me, um, know that I'm not a big fan of Modi at all. I'm, I'm not a fan of Modi at all. Um, he announced a lockdown giving four hours notice. I mean, come on. How do you, how do you, you couldn't do that in, you know, Maybe if you were ruling San Marino or Liechtenstein, you could do that. You could do that in India, especially when most of these people that are working in the cities and whatnot are coming from the rural provinces. You know, this is four hours, and then but nobody make a rush at the grocery stores. I mean, what what do you, what do you think is going to happen here, man? You know, I get it. You want to lock things down. You want to keep things under, but you have to give some time. You have to give an appreciation. I mean, apparently he has. I saw a blurb where, you know, he was begging forgiveness for, you know, this or that. And I didn't go to read it because, honestly, most of what he says, I'm not really that, you know, just take it with a complete grain of salt um, based on his past and 
what he's been responsible for, um, you know, uh, which which you can easily find. Uh, I'm not going to give him any more time than that. Uh, but, you know, people need to stay in, stay solid, um, and, and just, you know, we need to wait this thing out. We need to wait it out. Um, as Dr. Fauci said in the United States, we don't determine the timeline, the virus determines the timeline, and it will. Uh, but we need to we need to do our part in helping to make sure that, you know, it doesn't get worse than it absolutely has to be. And, you know, I am seeing some positive signs in the United States and in other countries. People are starting to do the right thing. Um, you know, but it's, it's, it's you know, I, I get it. It's going to be a pain in the rear end. Um, you know, it sucks. That's the way it is. There's no two ways about it. We just need to be like, all right, this sucks. And now we need to go through with it. So stay home. You know, like I said, I've given you now a list of a bunch of things uh, to do. Also, another thing you could do, uh, you won't regret it, teach yourself backgammon. Backgammon is my favorite uh, board game to play. Um, I know the debate usually comes with a lot of people are like, not chess, you're not a chess guy. I am a chess guy. I do enjoy chess. Um, The thing about chess with me is that, number one... Um, it's, it's a type of game where, and I mean, listen, I can play and I could play at a decent enough level. I mean, an amateur level, I'm certainly not going to, I'm not, not, I can't go into any competitions. I mean, I'll get blown, you know, out of the water. The thing with chess though, is that it's, it's so, (laughs) there's no, um, element of chance. If you're playing chess, the better player will win every time unless the better player makes a mistake, okay? Because the player who knows more openings, mid-game, closing, chess is, is not, there's no, there's no chance factor, okay? That's why I, I love backgammon simply because there is an element of risk. The issue is um, what happens in backhand, it's like, all right, listen, in order to win, he has to roll double sixes. Okay, the odds are extremely low you're going to roll double sixes, but you know what? Could happen, okay? And what can happen is a player who's not as good as another player can end up coming out of the gates and steamrolling them because they get a bunch of good, you know, die rolls right off the bat. They, you know, they play smart, but there's always that chance. And I like that. I like the idea that it's like, what are the odds that this is going to happen? You're playing odds, yes, but they're odds because there's there's a chance. In chess, you don't have that. In chess, it's simply a matter of, all right, you know, each piece, it's not like the pieces can, you know, oh, all of a sudden now, you know, the uh, the bishop can move horizontal. No, that doesn't happen, okay? And each player takes one turn and it, like I said, I mean, it's fascinating. And I think that chess is, is extremely... I mean, it's the ultimate intellectual pursuit as far as gaming goes. Um, but I like backgammon because it's also... It, you know, and again, it's not just chance. People think backgammon is all luck. They, you know, the, the amateurs. <laughs> amateurs. They think backgammon is just, oh, well, you know, you get lucky with the dice. No, you don't. Uh, as I explain, you know, I've, I taught uh, my children about it. And as I explained to them... The whole thing is that you don't get lucky with the dice. What happens is you set yourself up 
in a situation where all of a sudden, like if I said to you, okay, listen, on the next roll, you have to get, um, you know, an 11. Well, <laughs> getting an 11, you're either getting a 5 and a 6 or a 6 and a 5, okay? But if I said, hey, listen, on the next roll, you know, any, any combination for 7 will work out, well, all of a sudden now we've got a much better chance. You put yourself into chances where you have more opportunities. And that's why it's kind of like life in that, you know, when, when, you, when you have all your eggs in one basket, that's one thing. And that's why people think that really good backgammon players, um, the great ones, you know, and I've watched a lot of backgammon World Series, backgammon, you know, I mean, we're talking top, top players in the world, you know, everyone's, oh man, he got a, a lucky roll on that. No, it wasn't a lucky roll. He set himself up. He set it up where, you know, no matter what he rolled, he was going to get something. If he rolled a six, he was going to make a point. If he rolled a nine, he was going to hit someone. You know, you were playing against him and was like, listen, you're going to get hit either way. Okay. That's what the great players do. They, they calculate that stuff out and they, they come out to it where they realize, hey, you know what? I'm setting it up where later in the game, any roll is going to be a, quote, lucky roll for me. Yeah, it's luck. It's luck. What's the line that, that Matt Damon says at the end of the movie Rounders? You know, the, hey, uh, good luck. You know, the last, uh, the last uh, uh, 10 World Series of Poker final tables have been, you know, there have only been like seven players. I'm, I'm mangling it right now. Um, but, you know, the point is, there's a reason why the same guys end up where they are every single year. And that's because they don't get lucky. They're just good. So go on Backgammon, download. There's a, a program. I don't know if it's an app yet, but I know that you can download. It's called Snowy. You'll play it. And like I said, you'll, when you play against the computer on a high level, oh my God, it's, you just think, oh, this stupid computer cheats. It gets these great rolls. But when you really look at it, it's not that the computer needed to cheat. It's that you didn't realize the computer was putting itself into a position where basically they now had eight or nine possible roles on the next come out in order to beat you. And and that's what they do, you know? And if you if you study enough on backgammon and you learn enough math, you too can be one of these great players. You know? and then you can go out and play backgammon and You'd be like, I, I started all by listening to After School History with Mr. Eschatino. Well, Mr. Eschatino, if you're my kid, but my student, but not if, obviously, if you're one of my many people that listen to me from, from around the world. In any case, um, I'm going to take my leave of you right now. So I do encourage all of you to please be safe, be smart, um, you know, don't go out unless you need to. In the meantime, I am putting up every single night, again, on my Instagram account. Um, you know, Antonius Optimus. I'm putting uh, a new piece of history every single day so that you can keep up with what happened, when it happened, how it happened. Uh, comment to me there. Drop a line here if you want. You know, let me know. Did you like this? You know, would you like more of this kind? But what else would you like? Are there major issues you'd like me to talk about? Like I said, I don't want to have to every single week talk about you know, the coronavirus, I mean, quarantine this week was fun because I got to talk about a lot of other stuff 
in the context of it, but, you know, I do want to move back on to talking about other things, so, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, in the meantime, like I said, uh, I hope everyone's well, and, uh, oh, one last thing that I wanted to talk about real quick before I go, um, I am putting up, um, which will be probably, hopefully by next week, on Patreon, and I've talked about this, but I, I got the idea from Rich Burlow does a fantastic comic called The Order of the Stick. Um, it's based off of role-playing. If you ever did role-playing Dungeons & Dragons as a kid, uh, it's, it's a webcomic. It's uh, Order of the Stick, uh, Giant in the Playground, Rich Burlow. It's fantastic. It's just hilarious stuff, and you'll really get a kick out of it if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, and it's, it's, it's not, you know, R-rated or anything. I mean, there's some stuff that's a little saucy, but nothing... Uh, Nothing major, nothing, you know, I, I would be fine having my kids uh, watch it. But anyway, uh, one of the things I got from him uh, that I, I wanted to, the, the idea with the Patreon uh, was basically just saying, look, I'm not going to put anything, uh, not different levels or anything, just something where if people wanted to contribute, like $2 a month or something, uh, I, don't, I don't take any money from the podcast. Um, there is a way that I could, um, you know, take money. Uh, for making my podcast, but then I would have to do uh, advertisements or advertisements, as some people call them. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to be like, oh, you know, uh, you know, this podcast brought to you by Colgate, keep your teeth fresh, or, you know, this is brought to you by Lefroig, the, uh, the Pedia Scotch and Isla. Actually, Lefroig, if you're interested, let me know. Um, I might be inter- no, um, but you know that's one of the things I would like to do possibly is if people wanted to, and then I could find ways, you know, to maybe put some of the money to a good use. Um, you know, I have a lot of different ideas for it, but I will keep you guys posted. Anyway, that's it for me uh, for tonight. Uh, be well, be safe, and I will talk to you all next week, um, or maybe earlier if uh, anything major happens this week. Now that I've got a little more time on my hands, maybe I'll post a, a midweek podcast. Until then, bye-bye.